Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. So we're on the Love Like That series, and we're going to be talking about being graceful. Graceful. And we're not talking about, you know, how to waltz into a room a certain way and, you know, gracefully and, you know, how to get up and sit down and, you know, use your, you know, utensils and all that kind of stuff. No, we're talking about uh, something that Jesus uh, exemplified uh, so, so uh, masterfully in the Bible. Amen. But let me give a few verses of scripture out. Uh, Linda, John 8, verse 7. John 8, verse 7. Who else would like to read on this side? Okay, Mario. Proverbs eleven twenty seven. Proverbs eleven twenty seven. And Renee, Luke twenty three thirty four. Luke twenty three thirty four. Arlene, Philippians two, verse three. Philippians two, verse three. And I think that's it. That's all of our verses. Okay. Thank you for being ready to read those. So one of the fundamental principles taught to psychology students when they begin uh, to counsel somebody, uh, you know, how to counsel and so forth, uh, is referred to as unconditional positive regard. And what that is, that principle instructs the counselor to show an authentic sense of warmth and respect for the person that they're counseling uh, regardless of what that person is saying or what they've done. And it separates behavior from the person uh, in order to offer them an attitude of grace. So you're, you're uh, making it uh, the atmosphere more welcoming for them so uh, they will, you know, open up and, you know, they'll, they'll be a good counseling session. So this approach, when it's done correctly, it causes that person being counseled to relax, to lower their defenses and open up because they feel more accepted and valued by the person counseling. They're not looking, being looked down upon. They're not being uh, bossed around or whatever. And it provides more, uh, like a judgment-free space for them to reveal their faults and failings, which a lot of times in counseling, you gotta you got to pull that out of people to try to you know, bring out, okay, what's the, what's the situation? Well, you know, why are you going through this? And, and uh, the whole point of the counseling is to try to help the person get to uh, understand what the situation is. So, uh, unfortunately, this is not an easy thing to do. And the reason why is because uh, this unconditional acceptance uh, principle, it goes against the grain of human beings. Just in, in, uh, in general, generally speaking, we don't normally uh, look at situations like this. You know, people are typically conditional by nature and not unconditional. People, you know, usually have to earn our respect, you know, before uh, sometimes we, we, we give it. Uh, they need to win our acceptance, and, and we don't usually offer favor without merit first. And too often we quickly dismiss people who slip up. 
you know, and kind of judge them and so, so forth. So, but we're talking about being graceful. And part of that is being able to, um, you know, you're, you're not overlooking what people do wrong. You're not accepting and saying, well, it's fine, you know, whatever. No, but there's a way to look at the situation and try to be graceful with the person, even if you don't agree with what they're doing. So even though each of us have plenty of faults of our own, we still participate more than we need to in judgmentalism and criticism and fault finding. You know, just you're talking about the human race in general. Because our nature seeks fairness and justice and not necessarily mercy and grace. It's not an automatic. Uh, Earl Nightingale said, when you judge others, you do not define them, you define yourself. So we, 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 we can't, you know, and we know the Bible says, judge not that you be judged. You know, God is the judge. Um, and so we're talking about being graceful. Now, grace is a gift that comes from a heart that requires nothing in return. You know, that's what we're, we're talking about. And Jesus was very graceful. Uh, grace, because of that, grace doesn't really make sense to, you know, just the average person when you kind of put it in those terms. But if we want to love like Jesus, we cannot limit our love to people uh, who we think deserve it. That's the only ones that, okay, well, I'm limiting my love to the ones I think deserve it. You know, we got to love everybody, right? Even down to our enemies. So the grace giving of Jesus uh, is, you know, what we're, you know, looking into here. Um, now, there, there was a time when Jesus was, you know, out like he always was doing, teaching and, uh, you know, gathering the crowds. And, of course, all the religious leaders, the Pharisees, scribes, and Sadducees were all jealous. They wanted to trip him up. They wanted to get him out of town. He was messing up their nice little program they had, their religion. And so here they thought they had him, you know, you know really uh, over a barrel this time. Because they brought him, right in front of everybody, a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. And uh, which was a, uh, thou shalt not commit adultery, one of the Ten Commandments. And so they, they said, hey, hey, Jesus, this woman was caught, it's verified, it's witnesses. She was caught in adultery. So Moses said, you know, that you know, we should do this. What do you say? And it's like, and they just sat back. You know, just like waiting for him, because no matter what he says, we got him. If he doesn't agree with Moses, we got him. If he, if he does this, we got him, or whatever. Um, and so Jesus, you know, just looked at him, and, you know, he, he was always one. They were, he, they were always playing checkers, and Jesus was always playing chess. And he was ten moves ahead all the time. And he just kind of, you could just probably see him in the back of his mind like, oh, I'm surrounded by amateurs here. And he just kneeled down, started writing in the, in the dirt. And we don't know what he wrote. The Bible, you know, there's so many speculation about it. We don't know what he wrote. But, and then they kept saying, hey, what do you say? What say you? Come on, let's go. You know, get up off the ground or whatever. And they were just needling him. And, uh, but he just kept writing. And so read John 8, verse 7. All right, so here Jesus had him with that statement. Okay, he said, hey, all the sinless people, you can throw the first rock. And then that got them all like, oh, threw them off. 
And then he stepped, he stooped back down and kept writing. You know, we don't know what he was writing. He could have been like writing some names of people that were in the crowd and then started like writing something and like, you know, like, I know stuff. I'm God. You want me to keep writing? Yeah, you got her and she was caught in the act. But what did you do last week or something? You know, I mean, who knows what he was doing? And he made that statement. And from the Bible said from the oldest person in that crowd that had rocks in their hand to the youngest, from the oldest, they started dropping their rocks first because usually the older people are supposed to be a little wiser. And they just headed home, hung their head, head home. But the younger ones are, you know, they're a little more hard-headed, like they're still ready to throw their rocks. And, you know, and then they see everybody's leaving. Oh, forget it. And they head out, and they're all gone, and only Jesus and the woman are left. And he said, well, hey, woman, where, where are your accusers? You know? And he goes, they're, they're all gone. He, and, and Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And that was graceful. That was showing grace. Because he separated what she did for who she was and saw her heart and said, you know, it, it, she needs some grace. She doesn't need, like, somebody throwing rocks at her right now. She needs somebody to, to help her. And so he, he taught us something right there. Read Proverbs 11, verse 27. So the one who searches for what is good seeks favor. But if someone looks for trouble, it will come to him. So you, it, whatever you're looking for, it'll come. But if you're looking for what's good in people, you'll find something. Sometimes you have to dig a little ways, past some junk. But there's some good stuff in there, usually in most people. The paraphrase to that verse is, anyone can find dirt, but, the one who fi- but, the, uh, but be the one who finds the gold. You know? Amen. Because there's a lot of dirt. Sometimes you've got to dig to get some gold. It's not just laying on the surface anymore. Because, you know, everyone already took that gold, so... All the good stuff is gone, and and now the hard stuff is down underneath. Got to get through a bunch of dirt to find gold sometimes, but it's there. And Jesus personified grace not only in his words, but in his actions. He was different than the religious leaders. That's why people flocked to him, because he had had, uh, words of authority that were backed up with action, miracles. And the scribes just had a bunch of words, and and they, they weren't even genuine. They, they would tell people to do stuff and wouldn't even do it with, them, with their own uh, hearts and, and, uh, and their own actions. So not only toward this woman caught in adultery, but also he was graceful toward a tax collector. He was graceful, Zacchaeus, we talked about him. He was graceful toward a Roman soldier. He was graceful toward the Samaritan woman at the well. Remember, remember he went to this well and all the disciples went into town to buy some food. So he went to the well because he needed to have an encounter with her and talk to her about her life. And, you know, and she was a woman that had had, uh, you know, five husbands or something like that. And the guy he, she was with wasn't her husband. So she had had a kind of a rough life or whatever. And so he was just reading her mail and telling her all about her life. But he was graceful about it. You know, he wasn't, you know, and Jesus, you notice, he, he, didn't, he didn't come to condemn. The Bible said the Son of Man did not come to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. John three seventeen. So, So you don't find Jesus condemning people 
except for who? The religious leaders. He called them hypocrites. He called them vipers. He called them whited sepulchers. And it was just them because they didn't get it. But when it came to the poor, when it came to the common people, when it came just to even these people that were in rough times and, you know, even caught in problems and stuff, he was graceful and forgiving. Amen. Jesus always tried to separate the sin from the sinner. He tried to find the best in people. No place is this more true in the Bible than during those last moments of his life as he was hanging on the cross. As he, after he, he experienced unspeakable emotional and physical suffering and pain for all those hours leading up to the cross, not only at the hands of the Roman soldiers, but also the Jewish leadership that were just, you know, if you're the son of God, come off the cross. We'll believe you. And they just totally, uh, you know, giving him all kinds of verbal abuse. But instead of condemning, I mean, you think about how could he do that? Like all he took all that on the cross. He didn't condemn. He didn't curse him. He didn't lose his temper. He chose grace to the very end. He chose to forgive. Read Luke 23, 34. Forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. He forgave them. That's amazing. He forgave the thief on the cross. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, there was two thieves, right? One on each side of him. And one of them was a nice guy, and the other one was a jerk. No, they were both jerks. If you read the Bible accounts, because all the Gospels have the different accounts of, the, of those thieves, and uh, one account says both thieves were giving him what for at one time. But I think after every hour went by, one of those thieves saw this guy in the middle, he shouldn't be here. This guy in the middle, he's different. He's something special. And he had a change of heart. And he looked, and then he, he kind of looked around Jesus and told the other guy, shut up. He shouldn't even be up here. We deserve to be up here, but he shouldn't. You know, and then he looked at him, Lord, you know, remember me when you come in your kingdom. He goes, hey, today you're going to be with me in paradise. So Jesus, you know, and that guy was just yelling at Jesus a little bit ago, a couple hours ago. Jesus could have said, hey, remember him when you come in your kingdom? Get lost, buddy. But he didn't say that. that that's Randy Bradley hanging up on the cross saying, you know what, I'm, I, I've about had it with this stuff. You know, like I am sore, I am in pain, I, I, you know, and you guys are all whatever, and no one's getting any forgiveness or grace from me. You know, I'm ready to like get off of this thing. You know, I would have came off if I, but he didn't come off. He stayed on. He, I could have called 12 legions of angels, he said, and I could have wiped out the Roman Empire right then. But I, I chose to stay on and do the will of my father who sent me, right? And so powerful. That's full of, he was full of grace all the way to the end. Kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, Stephen, who was one of the uh, apostles appointed people to take care of the widows when the apostles got too busy. In Acts chapter 7, he began to preach and teach and tell those people that, hey, you crucified the Lord of glory. And he gave them a history lesson all the way from the Old Testament forward. And they finally couldn't take what this guy was saying. They stopped their ears and they ran upon him and they took him and threw him down in one of those low pits where they would stone people. And they began to stone Stephen. And Stephen was calling upon God. And Stephen said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. You know, he, he didn't curse either. So he, he must have had the Lord Jesus inside. He must have had the, the grace giver inside of him. And so that's powerful. 
Edward Herbert said, He that cannot forgive others breaks the bridge over which he must pass himself. It's like, hey, you're not going to forgive? Bridge is out. Go all the way around. We, you know, we have to pass over that same bridge. Grace is most often linked with the term favor. And it's also referred to as God's unmerited favor. We didn't do anything to merit grace. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. You know, where, you know, where sin abounds, you know, that's not where people are, you know, pay, playing tiddlywinks and, you know, being, playing nice and all that stuff. It's when people are not doing right. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He had grace and and, uh, and so the unmerited favor comes. We don't have to do something to get it. It's an undeserved gift, really. Now, we can, we can do something to lose it. We can do something to frustrate it. We can do something to you know, let it fizzle out of our lives. But, uh, but we can't do anything to earn it. And God will give it to us free if we want it. And we can keep it strong in our lives if we keep walking with Him. You know, but that word grace comes from the Greek word cherish, cheris which means to be cheerful and happy, right? And it also comes from the Hebrew word chen, C-H-E-N, which means to bend or stoop. So when you combine those two meanings from the Greek and the Hebrew, you begin to see what really a graceful person is. It's a person who can cheerfully or happily stoop down and, and put others in front of them and try to put themselves you know, in somebody else's shoes you know, like, like the old Indian proverb, you know, don't judge a man until you walk a mile in their moccasins. Right? Because then you understand where they're coming from and why they might be acting that way a little bit. Amen. So, to gladly and voluntarily become inferior to another is really what the true meaning of grace and graceful is. Read Philippians 2, verse 3. All right. So we're not going to be motivated by self-ambition or vanity, but in humility, treat one another as, as more important than yourself. And that takes God's grace, you know, God's love and God's grace to help us do that. That's how God showed his love to us, and that's how we should show our love to others. He happily stooped down and became a man and suffered and died for us so we could be saved and restored in right relationship with him, that was graceful. The term grace appears over a hundred times in the New Testament. Human nature is to honor the virtuous and punish the guilty. Jesus taught us that we should be full of grace toward our fellow man and view them as God views them. Even if we think they're guilty, we should still be graceful toward them. It doesn't mean we, we condone and accept what they're doing, but we can still love them. We can still show them a better way. We can show them grace. Amen. So what keeps us from being grace givers? Most people think other people are judgmental, but they themselves are not judgmental. Right? Amen. Like, oh yeah, like I'm, I'm fine, but yeah, there's a lot of judgmental people out there. You know, I mean, there's, because people don't look at themselves as, a problem or something or whatever. It's like, no, I mean, yeah, I, I see all your faults, but I don't have too many. You know, no, that's not a good way to look at it because we all have faults. It's just sometimes we think ours are not as faulty. I don't know. 
You know, scientists at Cornell University discovered when people's competency levels were tested, they found that incompetent people don't know they are incompetent. It's like, no, I'm competent. No, the test says, no way, Jose. You're not a competent. You know? And so nobody takes pleasure in admitting their own faults. I mean, it's, it's something that you don't want to do. I mean, it's a good thing to, you know, the Bible even says confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. Uh, and sometimes it's, you know, we, we need to level with God and ourselves and, you know, I, I think even parents, you know, sometimes parents, they, you know, uh, there's some parents, they'll, they'll never ask their children to forgive them. You know, especially the small kids, because, hey, I'm the parent. I don't do nothing wrong. That, that's wrong right there. You know, if you can't ask your kids to forgive you, then that's not graceful. Amen. I've had to ask my kids to forgive me so many times. Amen. Now, if I never opened my mouth, it'd probably be take a lot of that back. But I guess I have to talk. So, um, but that's, that's so true. Um, you know, it's human nature. You know, like some people might see a mother that can't control their unruly kids and start saying, "Why can't this mother control her kids in the store?" I mean, this is such an embarrassment or whatever. And you know, that person that's judging that person, yeah, maybe there's a problem. But maybe there's something going on with my heart because I'm judging her or whatever. You know, sometimes people, you know, judge others to kind of hide what's going on with them themselves and just kind of overlook and overcompensate for that. You know, uh, how about, you know, hey, that guy's constantly smiling. It's so obnoxious and phony, you know. I mean, what's going on? Right? I mean, that could be somebody or whatever. Uh, but maybe, maybe the person that's, that's saying that or thinking that, maybe they're, they're just not a happy person. You know, nobody can be that happy. You know? I mean, I've, I've, I've heard people say, there's something wrong with those kids because they're too happy all the time. It's like, no, you got a problem. You know, you, you want to, maybe if we can bottle this, we'll give you a case of it. And you go take a few shots and we'll see if you can, you know, come around and be, be like that. So some people are judge, judging because, you know, they're not doing a good job in that area. And so they, they just pass the buck. Or, you know, if you see a bunch of angry, um, you know, crowd protesting something out, carrying their signs and stuff, and you might say, what's going on here? You know, they need to go get a job. What are they doing out there protesting? I'm working hardware, but, you know, there could be something going on. And, you know, so it's all how we look at things. You know, and the official term for this is negativity bias. And the unofficial term is judgmentalism, you know, where we just, we just kind of judge things. Um, you could look, look at somebody and go, man, I am so shocked by that person's behavior. I wouldn't think of doing such a thing. And then while you're say, thinking that or saying that, somebody else is looking at you and go, I am so shocked at that person's behavior. I wouldn't think of, you know. And it's totally, you know, and, and they, you're just thinking, man, I, I got it all together. And, you know, this person says, no, I'm shocked at that. And then you're saying, I'm shocked at that. And everybody's shocked at everybody. So while we're thinking or saying this, somebody else is observing 
and saying the same thing. Some people need other people's faults in order to dodge their own. They kind of divert, you know. So what, what Jesus taught us about giving grace is very, very telling. There was, a par- there was a parable of the man. Remember the man that had the vineyard? And right at 6 o'clock in the morning, he found some people, you know, uh, idle in the, you know, uh, the marketplace and said, hey, you guys want to work in my vineyard today? Uh, I'll pay you a certain amount. And he said, you know, uh, whatever it was. I'll, I'll pay you. And, and it was, uh, okay, yeah, that's fair wage for the whole day. And they went to work. And then a few hours later, he goes, man, I need some more people. And he went and found some more guys. He goes, hey, you, I'll, I'll uh, get you in there. You want to work? You work for the, you know, whatever the rest of the day is, and I'll pay you what's fair. And, but he didn't tell him an amount. He just said, I'll just pay you what's fair because it's just a partial day. Then he went down, and it was like, yeah, every few hours, and then it got down to like one hour before quitting time, before sundown, and he, he got a few more, and he says, hey, you know, go work in my vineyard, and I'll pay you what's, what's fair. And he, and he only gave an amount to a certain, the first couple of groups. And then when it came time to pay, you know, you got people that are all like, hey! And you know, the guys that were there from 6 a.m. to sundown, you know, but what he did was, the, he said, the guys that were only worked an hour, he goes, come on, guys, I'm paying you first. And he paid them the same wage that those guys at 6 o'clock in the morning agreed to. And, of course, they thought, oh, wow, we're going to get, like, well, man, double or triple that. And then they came up, and every group, all the way to the first group, they all got the same amount of pay. And then they got all mad. They go, what a rip, you paid these guys for an hour, the same rate that you said you were paying us for the whole day. He goes, did I do anything wrong? Didn't you agree? Didn't you think it was a good deal to work the whole day for that? Right? And so there was jealousy. There was judgmental. There was no grace in that situation. You know? So if we think we deserve more than others, we have forgotten how we got into the vineyard in the first place. Just think about that, just in life, in, in God, and your walk with God in church or whatever. Sometimes we look like, oh, I can't believe these people, these Johnny-come-latelys, I've been walking with God for 150 years now. I should be the most blessed person on the planet. And here's this person just got the Holy Ghost and got baptized last week, and they just found a million dollars, and I've been praying for a million for years. This is a rip-off, God. No. We never want to be, you know, lack, but we never want to be, uh, you know, graceless when it comes to other people being blessed, even if they've only been around a little while. We, you know, the, the fastest way to get God sh- shut down in your life and not, you know, not blessing you is to, is to um, you know, complain and, and be resentful and jealous over other people's blessings. I say, hey, you know, you, know, you find a million dollars, hey, all right. Are we all going out to eat or what, you know? But, you know, I, 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 I'll, I'll be the first one to be excited. I'm not going to be jealous because I, I want God to bless me. Uh, you know, I'm going to rejoice with you. Amen. Jesus shared another parable where he warned farmers not to focus on the weeds in the field and be all just worried about the weeds. You know, I'm just, man, look at these weeds. Look at these weeds. Hey, how about the wheat? Look at the wheat. 
Because he was he, because they were so worried about the weeds that they would get in there and frankly, frantically get the weeds out of there, not taking care that sometimes the weeds get in there and the roots interchange and intertwine with the good wheat plants. And if you're not careful, you're pulling weeds out because you're all you're looking at is what's bad in your field and you're ruining what's good. Right? So he said, let the, let the weeds grow. He, he, he actually said, let the weeds grow up with the wheat. And then when it's time, you know, it'll all be separated. It'll all work out. So that just shows you grace. Sometimes, sometimes we're, we're wanting to, you know, it's like, you know, when you're looking in the mirror and you've got to just get every stray hair off your face with the tweezers. Oh, no, I can't, I can't have that, you know. It's like, you know, so we've got to, God help us, you know, that people are people and sometimes we just have to be full of grace. Amen. To love a person means to see him as God intended him to be. Uh, said, I can't even pronounce this guy's name, so said that guy. Amen. So how to be a better grace giver. There was uh, a, a, a Christian uh, conference or seminar uh, some time ago, and one of the speakers got up, and he had a crisp, brand-new $50 bill. And he said, and there, here's a big old crowd out there, he goes, how many, this was his opener. He goes, how many people would like this $50 bill? And everybody's hands went up. And then he said, and then he took the $50 bill and he, he wadded it up like this. And then he kind of balled it up and he, he held up this ball of 50. He goes, how many, now how many want this $50 bill? All the hands went up. Then he took that wad, he put it on the ground, and he's just going like this with it. And then he picked it up, and he goes, now how many people want this $50 bill? Every hand went up. Because, you know why? Because everyone in their mind said, hey, the value of that bill did not go down. Even when it was crunched up and stepped on, it was still worth the same amount when it was crispy and everything it was fine. And he started then, and that's how he opened it. And he said, now... We are like the $50 bill. Sometimes every, we, 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 you know, people think that we're all looking good and everything and we're, we're, we're nice to be friends with and buddies and stuff, but sometimes we get crumpled up and sometimes we get stepped on. Sometimes we go through the mill and the valleys and the tests and trials and not only do we feel sometimes like you know, our worth goes down, but other people look at us and judge us and go, yeah, look at that, they're kind of all squished up and wrinkled up and... They've gone through it or whatever. So he was trying to say that, you know, when life happens, you know, it changes the way others look at us and even we look at ourselves. But no matter what, we never lose our value if we choose to receive God's grace. And Lamont said, I do not at all understand the mystery of grace, only that it meets us where we are, but does not leave us where it found us. Amen. And that's, that's what we have to understand as people that are going to be graceful. Because sometimes, you know, if, if Jesus waited for everybody to get where we ought to, we're supposed to be, you know, before he would really do things for us, you know, it, it's going to be a long wait before anything happens. But he saw not what I was, he saw what I could be. He looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. Those are a couple of different songs, but it kind of goes along with what I'm talking about. 
And so in, in like fashion, when we're looking at that, we have to realize that, hey, you know, we sometimes have to work with people the way they are, but we, we see what they can be. We see their potential, and that's what grace does for us. Amen. To be a better grace giver, we have to continually and consciously receive the grace of God. The more grace we receive, the more love we give. See, God's grace is received, it's not achieved. It's not something that you, you know, take a test or you go do this great feat and then you can have more grace. No, it's received. God gives it. And grace is ultimately a choice. Like one person said, when it came to, uh, you know, overlooking something or, you know, putting that aside to try to see the person different from what their actions are, he said, I distinctly remember forgetting that. I distinctly remember forgetting that. And that reminds me of God saying, I will remember their sins no more. I will purposely, selectively, selective amnesia is what I call it. I'll purposely forget their sins. I'll put them aside, you know, because grace comes and takes care of it. The next time you see somebody doing something outrageous or stupid or even worse, ask yourself this question. I wonder what's going on with that person that I don't know about, that why they might be acting this way. Instead of just going, oh my goodness, you know, lose and then go the other way. Right? Amen. To err is human, to forgive infrequent. And that's sad. We don't want the forgiving to be infrequent. We want it to be commonplace for a graceful person. Franklin Adams said that. So a graceful person's a forgiving person. A graceful person cuts people slack, gives the benefit of the doubt. A graceful person does not assume, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't assume and doesn't jump to conclusions. A graceful person restores rather than tears down. Amen. So thank God for grace. And there's plenty of it. For by grace are we saved through faith. And it, that that is... Not, a, not of ourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It comes from God. The grace of God that came from, from him, it teaches us, amen, and it shows us, and it does all kinds of things. Praise God. So let's just be graceful people. And, of course, we have to, the only way we can be that way is with God's help. You know, like everything else, when it comes to being a, the Christian God wants us to be, we've got to have his help. And that's why we pray, Lord, just, just pray for grace. Pray for God to give us a graceful heart and the way we look at people. And it's going to make us different people, better people, more useful for the kingdom of God. Amen. Would you stand with me? What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast. And may God bless you.